0: Welcome, friends, and new listeners to Wool Shift Dust, a Silo TV podcast. It's the first season finale breakdown. We're your hosts, Alicia Brenner, here with your book reader perspective, and
1: Luke Midup from the show watcher perspective,
0: and our resident political historian. The time has come. The finale has arrived. As the episode title promised, we have seen outside, and we're going to dissect that final reveal and everything leading up to it to make sure you didn't miss anything. So consider this your official spoiler warning. We will be discussing the entire first season of Silo and Apple TV Plus, and I will be discussing the equivalent parts of the books, which means spoilers also for the first half of Wool. But don't worry, I won't be spoiling any of the twists and turns to come uh, next season or beyond. We must preserve Luke's show-only innocence, and I love seeing so many of our listeners discovering this story's reveals for the first time too. For those of you who do want to hear all that book spoiler discussion, I've got a special series for you coming. More on that in a bit. Uh, Luke, before we get all the way into it, please tell us at the top, was your jaw dropped at the end of Outside? I was feeling very
1: vindicated. Multiple Ah. silos, baby. Multiple silos. I've been going on about this since episode four, I think, at least. (laughs) So you were yeah, right. like, it wasn't really my jaw on the floor; it was more my fist bumping the air. Because really, <laughs> who doesn't like to be right? And before we go any further, Alicia, I'm just going to need you to close your eyes, turn around, and stick your fingers in your ears.
0: <laughs> um, you know. Oh yeah, I'm totally doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really um, good episode. I thought it struck. An almost perfect balance in terms of what it revealed and what it didn't reveal and where we're going to go for next season. So it gave you just the right amount of information that you felt like, yes, this season had come to a close, but it left enough questions open that I really want to see season two now.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, this was really an episode where everything came together, Um, though for each reveal, I did kind of wish that they went just like one little step further. Yeah.
1: But I mean, always, always leave them wanting more.
0: But now I'm, I'm going to be biting my tongue a little bit more than I hope to by the end of the first season. Okay. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> um, but we did get to see most of the early mysteries come together. And we finally found out why Bernard and I are both so obsessed with heat tape.
1: Yes. Like that had been like a little throwaway, almost a running gag throughout right. the entire season. And actually it turns out to be absolutely pivotal. I love the way they did that. And I love... I love Walker's line. It doesn't make sense. Unless it does.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and for anyone who's still wondering, there were a couple times this season when I referred to a clue non-book readers weren't picking up on. And yeah, that's what I was talking about, the heat tape.
1: Yeah, no, that got
0: totally over my head. Yeah, but I definitely, when I first read the book, I didn't predict that it was going to be the linchpin of the first half. So, um, and they were even more subtle about it in the show. Maybe too subtle for some people, actually. But don't worry, we'll make sure that it all makes sense by the end of this episode. Yeah. Now, I said, uh, I said that I made nine predictions that I would revisit after the finale aired and let you guys know which I got right and which I got wrong and which I couldn't talk about yet. So you ready for my report card? Go on. So the extra prediction that I'd added, I already kind of decided last week. It probably wasn't true, but it was the Carla Meadows theory. So we met Carla this episode, and it's somebody else entirely. Wrong. Fine. Moving on. Um, Yeah, we'll talk about it, because I I liked how it turned out with Carla. Yeah. Uh, And then, okay, so of the eight main predictions, though, I got three and a half right, two wrong, and there are two and a half predictions that I can't read out yet, and I'm rolling over to next season. Okay. So... Going through my predictions in the order that I expected them to occur, I was wrong about, I thought that Juliet will get down to the digger room, go into the water, and spot the door. And I'm really surprised that we didn't get anything about the door in the finale. There was a shot of Juliet in the water from the trailers that we never saw this season, and I thought maybe we'd get that this episode. Plus, Rebecca Ferguson said something enigmatic at, I think it was like the Mission Impossible premiere or something. Uh, Anyway, she said the finale would be wetter. But Hugh Howie, he popped into the wires from the deep discord and said that she was talking about next season. So I don't know, maybe they removed that scene or um, yeah, moved it. And maybe that scene now takes place more in the way it does, like the book, like I was expecting, uh, rather than the way I thought it would in the finale. So we'll see. Um, I think we all agree the finale could have had more scenes and been longer, though, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think... I think, actually, that's been a... I'm not going to say a problem, but I think that's been an issue with a lot of episodes this season. They've been sort of 50 minutes, 48 minutes, 45 minutes, and they really could stand to be an hour.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're greedy fans. Yeah.
1: Um, so hopefully, now that season one has been something of a success, Apple will just let them have like that extra 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um. All right. So my next prediction, I got right. I said that Juliet would be arrested down in the down deep and brought up top and sent out to clean. Um, So yeah, my next prediction, I got wrong. I thought she would wind up in a cell next to Lucas and they'd have a moment. Uh, We're going to talk about this one more in a minute because book readers are a bit bummed we didn't get this specific jailhouse scene. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, there's another prediction I can't talk about. It's I predicted for early season two now. I was right. That when Juliet goes out to clean, she doesn't clean. She's been given extra time because she's helped someone, probably Walker, figure out that they were using tape and other parts for the suits designed to fall apart and let the people die. Um, And I was right that instead of cleaning, Juliet walks over the hill. The greenery scene glitches out and she sees the wasteland dotted with other silos with scattered bodies. It's hard to see the bodies in the wide shot, but people have zoomed in and they can find some. And Hugh Howey, the author of the books and one of the producers of the show. He assures us that they should absolutely be seeing scattered bodies around.
1: And there seemed to be a city on on the horizon as well,
0: yeah. Yes, there does. Yeah, so that's a slight book difference is that actually you can see from within their silo, they can see the towers of that city in the distance out the wall screen. Uh, But here it's hidden from that direct view, so she only sees it when she goes up top. Oh, Okay.
1: Cause yeah, the, all the silos are in like a little bowl. There's like a there's like yeah. a, a lip to them. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe that's why they changed it just to yeah view angles. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so there's another prediction that I can't talk about, but I I thought it was a long shot. to Be in the finale. We'll definitely see this in early season two. Um, Hugh Howie's already said he he's on set and he knows what who they is cast in this role. And I was half right. Uh, about Bernard using the eighteen key fob to enter the server room, and then the rest I can't talk about because that scene stopped there, <laughs> yeah, this is the one bit of like taking the reveal just one step further that book readers most hope for in the finale because it's fun to watch new fans get their minds blown, uh, but it looks like they're saving that reveal for season two,
1: okay, my brain is going a mile a minute now, trying to figure <laughs> out what that reveal could possibly be okay i'm 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 on board with that. I hope that's like the first shot of episode one of season two is look, seeing what Bernard is looking
0: at. Yeah, to be, I mean, I wonder because um, the fact that they didn't reveal it now, I wonder if they're going to hold it back more. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But at least some of those things that I couldn't say, it, most of those will be like early in season two. So, okay. yeah. So, okay. So, about the Lucas scene I mentioned in the books, it's not Dr. Nichols who comes to visit Juliet before her cleaning, it's Lucas. Uh, So by that point in the book, we've only seen Lucas on his stargazing dates with Juliet. And then when Juliet's running down to IT to see Scotty, a book only character I've talked about in previous episodes uh, who helped her hack into the book version of the hard drive. uh, Well, she's rushing down there. She rushes past Lucas, who's on the stairs walking up. And the next time he sees her after that is um, after she's been arrested the second time and is being sent out to clean. So because in the book, she's being sent out rather than Bernard claiming she asked to go. And um, Lucas hasn't had any conversations with Bernard yet at this point in the book. So he's he's a free man. And this is a scene where many readers (laughs) and me started to love poor puppy dog Lucas. So uh, Juliet's in jail in the mids, and she hears she's got a visitor. And when Lucas appeared on the other side of the bars, the dam that held back all her emotions nearly broke. She felt her neck constrict, her jaws ache from fighting the sobs, the emptiness in her chest nearly puncture and burst. He grabbed the bars and leaned his head against them, his temples touching the smooth steel, a sad smile on his face. "'Hey,' he said. Juliet barely recognized him. She was used to seeing him in the dark, had been in a hurry when they'd bumped into each other on the stairs. He was a striking man, his eyes older than his face, his light brown hair slicked back with sweat from what she assumed was a hurried walk down. "'You didn't need to come,' she said, speaking softly and slowly to keep from crying. What really saddened her was someone seeing her like this, someone she was beginning to realize she cared about. The indignity was too much. "'We're fighting this,' he said. "'Your friends are collecting signatures. Don't give up.' She shook her head. "'It won't work,' she told him. "'Please don't get your hopes up.' She walked to the bars and wrapped her hands a few inches below his. "'You don't even know me.' "'I know this is rat shit,' he turned away, a tear streaking down his cheek. "'Another cleaning?' "'He croaked. Why?' It's what they want, Juliet said. There's no stopping them. Lucas's hands slid down the bars and wrapped around hers. Juliet couldn't free them to wipe her cheeks. She tried to dip her head to use her shoulder. I was coming up to see you that day, Lucas shook his head and took a deep breath. I was I was coming to ask you out. Don't, she said. Lucas, don't do this. I told my mom about you. Oh, for God's sakes, Lucas. This can't happen, he said. He shook his head. I, it, it can't. You can't go. When he looked back up, Juliet saw that there was more fear in his eyes than even she felt. She wiggled one hand free and peeled his other one off. She pushed them away. You need to let this go, she said. I'm sorry. Just find someone. Don't end up like me. Don't wait. I thought I had found someone, he said plaintively. Juliet turned to hide her face. Go, she whispered. She stood still, feeling his presence on the other side of the bars, this boy who knew about stars but nothing about her, and she waited listening to him sob while she cried quietly to herself, until she finally heard his feet shuffle across the floor, his sad gait carrying him away.
1: Sorry, I've got something in my eye. <laughs> uh, oh,
0: Yeah, so you can see why book readers were like, oh man, we didn't get that scene. <laughs> no,
1: and like, Lucas in the show, I think, is a much more ambivalent character about... Yeah. I don't think like his feelings for Juliet aren't that well developed in the show. They might they might get there, but I don't. I think there's a good reason that scene was cut because I don't think the character in the TV show had quite gotten to that point. I think if you tried to show that on screen at this this point in that character's development, it would have come across as as a bit melodramatic, a bit overblown.
0: I guess, yeah, but what did happen in the show that didn't happen in the books was that attempt to kiss her in the cafeteria. So it feels like they swapped this scene for that kiss attempt to try to establish some, you know, uh, to show us that Lucas really wanted to see if there was something with her.
1: Yeah, well, he's got 10 years in the minds to think about it, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, okay, now that we've addressed the Lucas not in the room of it all, let's get into into everything that was in this episode. Uh, Okay, a little quick housekeeping first, though. I just wanted to acknowledge that uh, there have been some negative reviews and people who have contacted me on social media complaining that the episodes were coming out too late. And um, anyone joining the podcast now, of course, wouldn't have noticed. But for the people, I disappointed the last couple of weeks by not being able to get the episode out until the day the new uh, TV show dropped. I just wanted to offer my apologies and also a little insight. Um, Just to give you an idea, an episode of this podcast takes me about three full days of work to produce. That's because, as you've noticed by our runtimes, our analysis tends to be very thorough and detailed, which requires a lot of prep. And of course, there's recording time and all of the interactions with the community, collecting feedback. Uh, You know, if you don't edit audio yourself, you probably don't realize what a lengthy process that is. So I'm getting faster as I pick up practice, but that alone takes me at least a full day to do. And since I'm not bringing in any money with this podcast yet, I'm spending my weekends and evenings on this and, you know, sacrificing sleep and social time. So all that's just to say, I really appreciate those of you who have been supportive and understanding um, when it takes me a little longer to get these out. I'm really hoping to change that going forward because yes, there will be a going forward. I would love to make podcasting my primary profession and as soon as it can help pay the bills. I will yeah, be able to put the focus on this work first. Doing this, getting to dig into my favorite stories with all of you, unpack all of the clues to the mysteries, discuss what these stories teach us about what it means to be human. This podcast and the amazing community that has developed around it has genuinely given me a new lease on life. So yeah, hell yeah, I want to do more. And um, yeah, thank you to all of you who have taken this journey with us.
1: Yeah, just to echo what Alicia was saying. I'm really grateful for all the for all the feedback we get and the the community and also just to say Alicia does the lion's share of the work for this podcast so she does most of the prep and all of the editing and I just turn up here and talk basically um so take this opportunity to say um uh, a massive thank you to my co-host because well without all the work you put in, this podcast wouldn't exist, so.
0: oh, thank you. Thank and you. it certainly wouldn't be what it is without without your insights and humor, so. Okay,
1: but yeah, at least she does the vast majority of the actual <laughs> work.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, oh, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, and for anyone who's asking, like, how can you help? Of course, five-star ratings are a huge help. People are more likely to listen to podcasts with strong ratings that people have nice things to say about in the reviews. Uh, deepest appreciation to those of you who have left reviews already. They mean a lot. I think Luke may or may not be flattered to be confused with James Corden.
1: Yeah. I've, I've no idea. I've no earthly idea where that came from, but thanks. whoever. But
0: thank you. I sound nothing like James Corden. I don't know. I guess I can see the similarities in the accent. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. But he's not from Nottingham to the best of our knowledge.
1: No, we. Th- I think he's from, I think he's a, he's a, He's a cop. He's from the east End of
0: London. British, British, whatever. No, just kidding. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. That's Um, fine. And yeah, and then of course, yeah, it's even better when you tell your friends who you think might enjoy this podcast about it. And there will be a new way to support the production costs coming very soon. While we're between seasons, we're starting a Patreon silo book club. Luke will be sitting this one out so that he can stay fresh for season two. So this time I will be joined by someone else regular listeners have heard a lot about silo tv fans aka sam in this special series we're going to be talking about the books and doing a book spoiler rewatch of the first season but don't worry luke will be back with me later this summer for a little side project we'll be doing between silo seasons more info on that at the end of this episode but let's just say it's good news for dune and rebecca ferguson fans all right shall we get into it let's get into it all right season finale breakdown incoming right after this quick break Your regularly scheduled breakdown will begin in three, two, one. Episode 10, titled Outside, was again directed by Adam Bernstein, the director of the last two episodes as well. And this time the writer was Fred Golan. He's best known for his work on Justified and Sneaky Pete, so clearly, uh, showrunner Graham Yost is a fan of his writing. And we start the episode exactly where we left off in nine. So Juliet, Rebecca Ferguson, is sitting in Patrick Kennedy's, Rick Gomez's apartment, staring at a video of the outside. Only unlike the screens in the cafeteria, this video makes the scenery look lush and green. Uh, At this point, Juliet is totally buying into the green being the reality and is convinced they're being lied to, that the world really isn't dead. And she wants to broadcast this video on all the screens. And uh, yeah, she strong arms Patrick and ginger hacker Danny Will Merrick. Into helping her because, as Juliet and Danny have realized, but Patrick apparently hasn't, Bernard is the best hacker in this bunker, and it's pretty much certain that the goon squad is on their way for a little check-in at Casa Kennedy.
1: And yeah, I love this because Patrick Kennedy has gone back from last episode where we thought, oh, he's he's kind of you know hard guy with a heart of gold too. Oh, I'm put upon yeah. Patrick Kennedy. Can you just give me? Can you just give me the watch and leave me alone? I mean, me he's alone? a little bit put upon <laughs> It is a little bit part of fun, yes.
0: Yeah, so Danny tells him that there's a signal booster every 30 levels, and Juliet asks for the lowest one nearest to mechanical, which is 126, but how to get there without being seen? Return of recycling. Um, Luke, were you surprised to see the recycling shoot play such a big role in the finale, or glad?
1: I wasn't that surprised, because I thought, I thought ever since they introduced it a couple of episodes back, that, that, that there's got to be... There's got to be a payoff for that because, as I've said before in previous episodes, the show has been very good at planting and payoff. So I thought we'd come across it again. And it it does make sense as a way of getting from one part of the silo to the other without being seen. Um, I thought the scene was, was really well done because they managed to get quite a bit of tension out of it. Mm-hmm. Even though you know... Even though you know that in order for the rest of the episode to happen, Jules has got to survive. this whole right. and she just dies
0: in a trash suit. That's like yeah. the worst season finale. <laughs>
1: so I thought, I thought actually having Patrick Kennedy and Danny the Hacker go into the recycling shoot with her was a really good move because you know those characters don't have, don't have the same plot armour that Juliet has. Right. So I could, I there's there's a way that scene could have played out where um Patrick Kennedy or Danny the Hacker could easily have been knocked out the shoot right so i actually thought that was that was really well done to have those characters accompany her um yeah. and i thought it was I like the fact that the um, the deputy, before she started throwing things down the chute, sort of did give Juliet a way out, did give her the opportunity to leave, because I thought that was like really emblematic of how much the deputies don't like what Sims is asking them to do. Not to the point where they're not going to do it, right. but they want to avoid it if they possibly can at
0: all. Right. Yeah, I th- I also thought the tension in this part was really well done. Um, it wasn't always the most realistic, like in terms of you know could they climb however many floors within five minutes, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, no, I thought it was nice how they they built that tension by like laying out in episode four that you know huge metal recyclables are dropped down the shaft every five minutes, so that adds to like your your countdown in your head. Yeah. The, and the, yeah. the whole time, yeah, Patrick Kennedy keeps asking for the watch. So I guess I, <laughs> I wasn't completely correct in that not being his true motivation for helping Juliet. Yeah. It's at least sort of 50% of his motivation. <laughs> yeah, though I'd say after this episode, she kind of owes it to him.
1: She does kind of, yeah.
0: Um, so meanwhile, in the janitor's closet, Bernard, Tim Robbins and Sims Common oversee what looks like the full staff working extra shifts to find Juliet and that hard drive. And then a message arrives. It's from Jean, uh, the packed student of Paul Billings, who gave him some intel during the search of Juliet's apartment last week. She's writing to Snitch to Bernard about his visit, saying only that he requested entry to the apartment and was denied. Um, now, do you blame Jean at all for this? No, not really. I mean, it takes it takes like a an unusual act
1: of courage to defy um, Bernard and Sims at this point because they have made it like amply clear you know they've got the jackbooted raiders charging around all over the silo so they've made it amply clear just how seriously they take finding Juliet or anything to do with julia so no it, it didn't surprise me that gloria um did this that she ratted out billings and it's it's not like she told sims any more than the minimum amount right. she needed to tell him not to get in trouble
0: yeah no yeah i don't blame her either because like A bunch of other people saw her talking to Billings, and unlike Sims, she realizes that that means it's going to get back to Bernard, so it might as well come from her. Yeah. Yeah, and she didn't say anything about, like, what she told him about Juliet not leaving a note. Um, Yeah, and like Lucas and Hank in previous episodes, she's, indeed, she's, like, doing the bare minimum to cooperate. Yeah. Uh, And also, it shouldn't be weird that the sheriff wants to investigate the situation. If it weren't actually shady, (laughs) then it would be literally his job.
1: Yeah, it's like, I think the last couple of episodes have really, like, brutally exposed where the sheriff's office fits on the actual hierarchy of power in the silo, and it's, if not at the bottom, it's fairly close yeah. to the bottom. And, like, that's something I think I'm, I'm going to find interesting going forward in, se- in season two, is that, like, the, the sort of, the secret power structure of the silo has, by necessity... And sort of out of desperation come much more into public view. You know, you've had the you've had like two episodes at least of raiders just charging all over the place mm. um looking for Juliet. You've had the pact trampled on in numerous ways, you've had the, the sheriff's office humiliated. Um, so I wonder to what extent Bernard and Sims can put a facade of normality back together? Or is this going to be the new normal going forward? Is judicial going to be much more visible, much more public? And if yeah. it is, what does that say about how do the people of the silo react to that?
0: Well, yeah, and of course, something unprecedented happens at the end of the episode. So how is that going to play into all that? Exactly. Um Yeah, but if, about Gene, like Billings, he... He, you know, Sims tells him that she tattled on him, but he doesn't know that she left stuff out. Do you think this is going to affect how he treats her next time he sees her?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, Billings is in a really interesting place at the end of this episode. Uh, so whether he even sees Gene again, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's going to happen.
0: Why not? I mean, he's a sheriff and she's uh, on the judicial raiders.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I guess, but... If I were looking at this from Bernard's point of view, I would be trying to... I'd be desperately trying to lower the profile of the raiders and judicial in general, because they've gotten way too public in the last couple of episodes. So I'd be trying... If I'm mayor, I'm trying to put the sheriff's office front and centre, and I'm trying to make... I'm trying to make Billings the sort of much more public face of law enforcement for a while. So... I think, I mean, if Bernard gets the opportunity, I think that the role of judicial is going to be much more behind the scenes if he can get away with I it. I think
0: uh, if he gets the opportunity is the key word there. Um, yeah, so so also during this confrontation between Sims and Billings, played by Chinaza Uche, by the way, um, Billings, he seems very composed, but he's also like frozen in fear while Sims just stalks around him quietly growling. And yeah, Common really unleashes in this scene
1: yeah, like Sims has run out of all the
0: fucks to yeah. give. Well, to the detriment of some poor chair that gets slammed repeatedly into the floor feet first.
1: Yeah, and I think this scene really emphasizes like the physical disparity between Chazooche and Common. But yeah, Common, Common is just like, he is really scary in this scene. And there's another scene slightly later on where he's talking to Juliet,
0: where I thought he was going to hit her. Wait, well, you thought who, oh, you thought that come well, he basically threatened in a not so veiled way. Yeah, I thought he was going to punch her in the face. Yeah. But of course, yeah, Juliet threatened his family, which is like literally the worst thing you could do in Sim's book. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I really enjoyed the temper tantrum in this scene, actually, especially how it somehow felt really controlled.
1: Yeah, I I, I love the the way it starts with um, Sim's going, this is clearly all my fault. And like obviously he doesn't think yeah. it's, his, it's his fault
0: at all well, he's, he's like the disappointed dad you know he like asked billings why he left his house while he was grounded um yeah <laughs> and then yeah why he cooperated when juliet arrested him and yeah and then dot 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 why is he clutching his hand like that so sims does know
1: yeah, I don't buy that, like, in that moment, Sims no. Sims just happened to have a moment of revelation. Well, no, we've
0: been thinking the whole time that he must already know. And, yeah, I think that kind of yeah. shows it. Yeah, and then this scene cuts, leaving us to wonder what Sims is going to do with this information. And so we go back down to 126, with Patrick almost being made recycling fodder when they only just miss the next dump. And then uh, Danny hacks into the signal booster. And They notice there's a camera, and Danny says, just give me a minute, because I guess he thought he could turn the camera off. But obviously, with a room full of people scouring the screens for them, they're going to be spotted immediately. Though his point that making the camera um, turn black would draw attention to it even more quickly, that's a sound point. In any case, the janitors find them, but it's going to take time for the Raiders to get there. Sims says, Deputy Karen's Angela Yeo is five minutes away, but Jules doesn't know how much time they'll have, so she just smashes the camera. Um, do you think that was an F.U. smash or like there's no point pretending to hide where they are now?
1: Yeah, no, I think it was just I think it was just an F.U. smash. I think it was just a I'm really wired with adrenaline and I I need to hit something
0: yeah. kind of smash. Fair, fair. She's smashed quite a few cameras around the island now. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then Diego Obvious, uh, Aki Kotabe, Kota- <laughs> pipes up to make sure we always know what's going on. Oh, shit, he says, they're linking the screens.
1: Actually, in fairness, in fairness to Captain Obvious, um, I'm kind of glad I'm kind of glad he said that because it was important to let the audience know that yeah. what they were doing was actually working, that that they that they were succeeding in. Yeah. Even that's though true. we already knew that was what they were attempting to do. Yeah. That it was we needed to know that it was working.
0: Well that's that's his role is to just like everyone got what's going on, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody's on the same page, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And apparently, I don't know. So I thought they weren't able to get through to the public screens, but Hugh Howie said in an AMA on Reddit that, um, that there was a flash scene on the public screen. So I don't know if we'll see that play out, but in any case, the people in the control room sure got an eyeful.
1: Yeah. And by the way, in, in a very tense, very serious episode, I had to pause <laughs> uh, I, every time I've watched this. I had to pause it for a couple of seconds while I just chortled at the scene. Turn I'm around, it's, close your it's eyes. Just, <laughs> it's just really funny. I,
0: I, I definitely laugh too. Like, just doesn't see that. Yeah, Bernard really wishes he were in a Men in Black film right about now. He wants yeah. those flashy memory erasers.
1: <laughs> I, I love the fact he goes, you too, robin Yeah. yeah. Feels about, oh Thomas my feels God. about five centimeters tall. I
0: flinch every time I hear him say that. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That was rough. Yeah, I mean, so two things. First of all, there's no way this isn't getting out with this many leaks, regardless of what people saw on the other screens. And secondly, so yeah, Sims doesn't know about any of the good stuff. So, which is actually how it is when we meet Sims in the book, too. But okay. this is confirmed for the show. Uh, yeah, so Team hacks a lot gets shut down. And Jules leaves them to go deeper into the silo. And she doesn't even give him the watch. <laughs> <clears throat> um, what do you think happens to the watch when she goes out to clean?
1: That's an interesting question. I hadn't considered it. I wonder
0: if there's like an auction
1: um, of like, you know, the people, the personal effects of the people that have been sent down to clean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I know what happens to the watch um, at this point in the book, but I don't see how it could play out the same way in this episode, given the way this season leaves certain things for certain characters. I know that sounds cryptic. But book readers know what I mean, and everyone else will find out next season. So yeah, I'm curious. They didn't really address that being taken from her. Um, she was loath to give it up in the book. Uh so I'm curious when and where we see it next. Yeah. And then yeah, poor Patrick and Danny get arrested. Uh do you think we'll see them in the mines with, with Lucas next season?
1: Yeah, probably. If because I do- I doubt they'll be sending anybody else out to clean. Yeah. for a while because the, the, the consequences of that are just too risky at this point so yeah yeah they'll they'll probably they'll probably end up in the mines although i could see patrick kennedy talking his way out of it because i think he can talk his way out of pretty much anything
0: I, I would love i would love to see like a little hacker team up episode with uh lucas patrick and danny yeah
1: that would be quite cool just an entire episode of them like uh, reminiscing as they're hacking out a new seam of iron ore.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. making plans to break into, I mean, yeah, 126. Yeah. And yeah, and Bernard, he has an, the epiphany that Juliet must be using the trash chute to get around, calling her brave and smart. Um, yeah, Bernard kind of admires Juliet despite everything, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. And this goes back to, I think what we said a, a few episodes ago one of the through lines that one of the threads that links all these characters is they all do want what they think is best for the people right. of the silo they just have very different ideas about what that is and so you know in a different in a different reality I don't think Bernard and Juliet could ever be friends, but they could certainly be partners. They could certainly
0: be colleagues. Work together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, And it's like you were saying um, about Bernard and Lucas. One of Bernard's distinguishing characteristics is he does appreciate intellect. He does appreciate curiosity. And there is that bit later on in the episode where Bernard says to Juliet in the cell, every human life has value and i think bernard in his own way in his own ultra utilitarian way means that Mm -hmm. but what he's talking about is not value in a sort of the sense of a soul having value i think what he's talking about is every human being has value to the silo, has value to this living organism that he's sort of dedicated his life to
0: right yeah, except the ones that get in the way. Except the ones that get in the way, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, and then he, he sicks Deputy Karens on Juliet and yeah, she's not too happy about it, but she's like, I'll throw air conditioning units at Juliet if I have to.
1: Yeah. And like the, the stuff she's throwing in down the chute gets bigger and bigger Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not she's not doing the bare minimum that one. No, 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 no. She she she, she doesn't love it, but she's she's doing gonna more do than it. The if the
1: job's worth doing, it's worth doing yeah. right. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then yeah, Juliet shows off those calcium supplements she must have been taking growing up again because she drops onto the pile of pointy metal objects at the bottom of the chute with just enough time for the scavengers to haul her out before the AC unit hits. Um, now Juliet looks pretty beat up after this, but are you surprised she wasn't more beaten up? Well, I think she she breaks she breaks her arm. I think that's the that's
1: the the
0: worst. Is of it, it Because we don't see that later. We don't I, see it broken. I mean she looks very bruised. Yeah, she's it, very bruised.
1: It, I think when we see her in the down deep, she's got one arm tied in a sling.
0: Um, yeah, but, but when we see her like she's cuffed after that, and yeah, it seems fine. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I'm not quite sure what happened there. I think that arm must have miraculously healed
0: she's just a very durable character yeah very, very durable at least and... consistently so
1: yeah and i i did think the um the scene where she sort of drops onto that pile of scrap and um they they have enough time to pull her away before the ac unit lands it's like right okay i'm gonna accept that because it, it needs to happen in order for more important for us to get to more yeah. important <laughs> stuff but i'm really not sure you would have had time to do that
0: yeah yeah a lot of uh tv magic going yeah, on. yeah i'm gonna i'm <laughs> gonna
1: i'm gonna go along with it because you know
0: you kind of have
1: to but yeah yeah i'm not sure that that would have worked
0: Yeah, I mean the whole trash shoot sequence. I think it was it was exciting, but I enjoyed the beginning of it more than the end of it. Yes,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: Okay, so then, um, so Shirley, Remy Milner, she takes uh, Juliet to Martha Walker, Harriet Walter, to heal up, and Hank, Billy Postle, Postle Dwight, Dwight.
1: Uh, Postlethwaite.
0: I was so close, so close. Um, He's there. He's there, fretting, saying she shouldn't have brought her here. He would have figured something else out. He doesn't know what, but he would have figured something out. And then Knox shows up and I'm like, oh, mechanical family reunion times. But no, he crushes my hopes. He's there to report that he's given Judicial Juliet's location and they're um, arriving to collect her. So better to give her up than let Judicial tear apart all of and everyone in mechanical, he says. Uh, What do you think of this move by Knox?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with Knox on this. Yeah, Like, you're not going to be able to hide her because the Raiders know she's somewhere in Mechanical. They are just going to tear the place apart until they find her. So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm with Foxy Noxy
0: hmm.
1: on this he's one. Not,
0: he's not so Foxy for me this yeah, week. Yeah, it, it, it kind of <laughs> had to happen.
1: And in fairness, Juliet doesn't hold, doesn't hold it against him, which is nice of her, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually, it's kind of similar to the book version, but it's funny to me because in the book version of the second arrest, um... Well, I'll let you see for yourself. Just to clarify, one book show difference. In the book, Juliet was officially released after her first arrest and sent back down to Mechanical. Uh, But then Bernard figures out what she knows and what's on that hard drive and dot, dot, dot. She passed through Mechanical's entrance hall and saw Knox talking to Deputy Hank. The way they turned and stared, she knew they were talking about her. Juliet's stomach sank. Her first thought was of her father and then Peter, which is Paul in the show. Who else could they take away from her that she might care about? They wouldn't know to contact her about Lucas, whatever he was to her. She made a swift turn and headed their direction. Even as the two of them moved to intercept her, the looks on their faces confirmed her every fear. Something awful had happened. Juliet barely noticed Hank reaching for his cuffs. I'm sorry, Jules, he said as they got close. What happened, Juliet asked. Dad? Hank's brow wrinkled in confusion. Knox was shaking his head and chewing on his beard. He studied the deputy like he might eat the man. Knox, what's going on? Jules, I'm sorry. He shook his head. He seemed to want to say more, but was powerless to do so. Juliet felt Hank reaching for her arm. You are under arrest for grave crimes against the silo. He recited the lines like they were from a sad poem. The steel clicked around her wrist. You will be judged and sentenced according to the pact. Juliet looked up at Knox. What is this? She asked. Was she really being arrested again? If you are found guilty, you will be given a chance at honor. What do you want me to do? Knox whispered, his vast muscles twitching beneath his coveralls. He wrung his hands together, watching the second metal band clack around her other wrist. Her two hands shackled together now. The large head of mechanical seemed to be contemplating violence, or worse. Easy, Knox, Juliet said. She shook her head at him. The thought of more people getting hurt because of her was too much to bear. Should humanity banish you from this world, Hank continued to recite, his voice cracking, his eyes wet with shame. Let it go, Juliet told Knox. She looked past him to where more workers were coming off second shift, stopping to see the spectacle of their prodigal daughter being put in cuffs. In that banishment, you may find your sins scrubbed, scrubbed away, Hank concluded. He looked up at her, one hand gripping the chain between her wrists, tears streaking down his face. I'm sorry, he said. Juliet nodded to him. She set her teeth and nodded at Knox as well. It's all right, she said. She kept bobbing her head. It's all right, Knox. Let it go. So which version of The Arrest do you like better?
1: I've got to say, I, li- I, like, I like the book version better, but it clearly wouldn't have worked in the TV show because of all the no, cumulative changes. It doesn't, changes fit. The, it doesn't right. fit the episode.
0: Yeah, but it did. I mean, I know a lot of book readers are complaining about Lucas's story going off track, but I'm actually in- intrigued Thinking about what they might be doing with the Lucas story, the show version of the arrest though felt like character assassination to Knox for me.
1: <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Although I think I think Knox probably was right to put the greater good of mechanical ahead of Juliet because the the raiders would have found her sooner or later.
0: Do you think he has a season two redemption arc coming? Quite possibly. Quite
1: possibly. I certainly don't think we've seen the end of Knox or. No or shirley or or hank or mechanical in general so no. we're certainly going to pick up that thread of the story
0: yeah no i'm 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 thinking he'll get his redemption arc but i also mentally fist bumped shirley when she called him an asshole
1: she's got to go back up to the control room to give him more of the silent treatment
0: yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah um he does give juliet a minute to talk with walker before they take her And we don't get to see everything that she tells her then, but uh, we can presume that it was yet another inside info dump, somewhat similar to what Lucas got. (laughs) But then, yeah, Sims comes storming in on a warpath, trying to kick Martha out of her workshop until Bernard swoops in to play nice cop for a second in response to Juliet's pleas that Martha can't leave because of her agoraphobia. She hasn't left this apartment in 25 years, so now we have an exact number.
1: That was a weirdly human moment from Bernard. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he could have just like he could have just commanded like two raiders to pick her up and throw her out the workshop, but he didn't.
0: But who who would that have helped? It would have just made everything worse, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's true. But yeah, it was just like I think this is this is the nice thing about Bernard. He is definitely the villain, mm-hmm. and he's even though he thinks he's a good guy, he clearly isn't. Mm-hmm. But he just has he just has these odd moments that means he isn't a caricature. Right. You know, that make him believable as a fully rounded human being with, with you know, the ability to, to show kindness, with the ability to appreciate Lucas's patience and intellect. I think Bernard is really well written because it would be so easy to make him like a complete moustache twirling cliche. Right. And between the way he's written and Tim Robbins' performance, they just stay the right side of that line.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's really well done.
0: Yeah, Hugh Howie said in that AMA, I mentioned that if he had had the say of how Bernard was played throughout the season, he would have had him more mustache twirly just because he feels like that makes it more interesting when you realize later that he's he does have the good of the silo in mind. He is trying to, you know, save their society. He's, he's you know, everyone talks about Thanos. I think he's a Thanos villain, you know? Yeah, he's a complicated guy. Yeah, you can kind of see his point, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but Bernard, he does send Walker to time out in the corner and uh, Sims tells Juliet she's lucky Bernard is there to hold him back and Bernard is like settle the fuck down and always you on about your family and uh, hard drives are what matter now. So he sends Sims to time out too, but outside the workshop and then it's smashy smashy time. <laughs> um, though Bernard takes all the pieces, and we see him eyeballing the the platter disc part of the hard drive, the part that uh, does the data storing later, it kind of seems certain that we'll see that disc again, don't you think?
1: Yeah. So the hard the hard drive may be destroyed, but the information on it probably. I mean
0: <laughs> that yeah, the disc looks pretty damaged. So I you know I've seen tech people saying like that would be really difficult to restore, but I believe in TV magic, and I believe it can be repaired.
1: I also believe in Bernard's IT skills, you know. Yeah. He's not the head of he's not the head of IT for nothing.
0: But maybe he, he has some IT prisoners who maybe can help.
1: Um, I thought Common's performance in this scene. Was, like, Sims is an intense character, but Common takes it to a whole other level. He's literally there thumping his chest yeah. at um at Juliet. Do you know what I do? Yeah. Do you know what I He's a <laughs> lion. Like, Yeah. And like, I I wonder, because I wonder this often with scenes like that, like when the director yells cut, does the actor have to like go and stand in the corner for a minute and just, just like compose, uh, just
0: decompress? Because it's also, I mean, it's also funny because when you see interviews with Common, he seems like the most chill, like easy go lucky guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I I really did think he was going to hit Jules.
0: Yeah, I mean, and in a way, I kind of understand it. But also, like, you see, like, Bernard's from his perspective. He's like, okay, just, you know, your temper is making this whole situation worse. Get outside. Yeah. And yeah, before Bernard smashes the hard drive, he also says, uh, he says to Jules, if you had been able to do what you wanted to do, you would have killed everyone in the silo. What do you think he meant by that and killed everyone? Like, how or why?
1: I mean, there's two ways of interpreting that. The first is, if you show everybody it's all right outside, Mm -hmm. the the world is nice and green, people are going to want to leave the silo. Right. And from what we see at the end of the episode, it looks like that would kill people eventually. Right. It wouldn't kill people straight away.
0: Well, if they go outside without suits, then it would. Yeah, Yeah,
1: then it would kill them very quickly, actually. Um, The other way to take that is, if there are these multiple silos, maybe there's like um you know maybe there's like a boss above bernard like i've been saying for the last few episodes and if if there is a rebellion within the silo or if people too many people become aware of the truth then maybe like that overlord that like silo central steps in and like wipes everybody in that particular silo out yeah um so i think you can read it that way I think it's got to be one of those two. right?
0: So outside threats or inside threat that goes outside and dies. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Bernard offers Juliet a deal and he says, if she goes along with the whole asking to go outside thing, he'll leave her friends in mechanical alone and he'll show her how George really died. And then, yeah, she, she's perp walked out of mechanical and she sees a dent in the fans at the bottom where George's body landed. Like, Oh, gut punch. But yeah, a little girl smiles at her, and so that was like restorative. And a lot of people there there a lot of people are commenting about how they lingered on her spilling her canteen water when she tried to drink, and I'm not sure if that's supposed to remind us of like the injustice for Johns and Marnes or just show show us that Juliet isn't used to being a prisoner. Do you have any thoughts?
1: I thought it was just a I don't know whether this was intention or whether this is just something I've completely read into it. I thought there was a lot of Christian allegory in
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: The way it was done, I thought it was very it was very evocative and sort of Christ carrying the cross, okay. kind of thing. Um, with Sims and Bernard as the Romans. Um, okay. I have no idea whether that was supposed to be in there or whether that was just what went through my head, but that's that's what I sort of took from that scene.
0: Yeah, no, actually, in that AMA that I keep referring to, someone did ask about Christian Allegory, and, uh, and yeah, Hugh Howie said that there might be some in there, so you, you could be saying something in that, for real. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, meanwhile, Shirley muses that she wishes that uh, she'd talked Jules out of it um, after going after that, quote-unquote, shitty heat tape. That's what pissed them off up top, she says, and uh, this gets Martha thinking about heat tape. Now, in the book version, it's Juliet who gives Walker the idea about the tape before she's rearrested. When she got back to the Down Deep after, so yeah, book spoiler discussed in previous episodes incoming, after Scotty's not a suicide suicide, she gets a message, an email from Scotty. She's surprised that he. it's, it's a fairly long email as far as these messages go uh, because they pay like per word or per character. Yeah, and I have to guess that this is how they both got caught, this email. But he says he couldn't trust a porter, which is something we've seen in the show, too. Now, Scotty says that he couldn't stop looking into the hard drive. um, And he's talking about the video images that he'd previously told her about that we talked about in the last episode. And that they seem to be intended for an 8 by 2 inch screen. But the pixel density is too high. And he also throws in the lines, the tape I got you. Your joke was the truth because, yeah, Juliet didn't steal this uh, heat tape from supply. Scotty helped her get it in the book version. And Jules, of course, can't make heads or tails of this message. So she takes it to Walker, who can understand the technical parts, but is momentarily baffled by what it actually means. And this is how the meatiest bit of that conversation goes. Quick reminder that Walker's a man in the book. So when I say he, him, that's who I'm referring to. Walker, what kind of screen would be eight inches by two inches? Juliet looked around all the boards, displays, and coils of loose wire strewn about his workshop. Do you have anything like that? Eight by two? Um, Maybe a readout, like on the front of a server or something? But the right size to show a few lines of text, internal temps, clock cycles? He shook his head. But you'd never make one with this kind of pixel density. Even if it were possible, it wouldn't make sense. Your eye couldn't make out one pixel from its neighbor if it were right at the end of your nose. He rubbed his stubble and studied the note some more. "'What's this nonsense about the tape and the joke? What's that mean?' Juliet stood beside him and looked over the note. "'I've been wondering about that. He must mean the heat tape he scored for me a while back? Yeah, I think I remember something about that. Well, do you remember the problems we had with it? The exhaust we wrapped it in almost caught fire. The stuff was complete crap.' I think he sent a note asking if the tape had gotten here okay, and I sort of recall writing back that it did, and thanks, but the tape couldn't have self-destructed better if, if it had been engineered to. That was your joke, Walker swiveled in his stool and rested his elbows on the workbench. I'm not a sheriff, Walk. Never born to be one, shouldn't have gone, but I know, as sure as everyone, that what I'm about to say should get me sent to cleaning. Walker immediately slid off his stool and walked away from her. Juliet damned herself for coming, for opening her mouth, for not just clocking into the first shift and saying to hell with it all. Walker shut the door to his workshop and locked it. He looked at her and lifted a finger, went to his air compressor and pulled out a hose. Then he flipped the unit on so the motor would start and build up pressure, which just leaked out the open nozzle a steady, noisy hiss. He returned to the bench, the clatter from the noisy compressor engine awful, and sat down. His wide eyes begged her to continue. There's a hill up there with a crook in it, she told him, having to raise her voice a little. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen this hill, but there are two bodies nestled together in it, man and wife. If you look hard, you can see a dozen shapes like this all over the landscape, all the cleaners in various states of decay. Most are gone, of course, rotted to dust over the long years. Walker shook his head at the image she was forming. How many years have they been improving these suits so the cleaners have a chance? Hundreds? He nodded. And yet nobody gets any further. And never once have they not had enough time to clean. Walker looked up and met her gaze. Your joke is the truth, he said. The heat tape. It's engineered to fail. And she knew she was right about the cost of sending wires, that they didn't want people talking. Thinking was fine. They would bury you with your thoughts. But no collaboration. No groups coordinating together. No exchange of ideas. You think they have us down here to be near the oil, she asked Walker, because again, it's uh, oil under it in the book version, steam in this version. I don't think so. Not anymore. I think they're keeping anyone with a lick of mechanical sense as far away from them as possible. There's two supply chains, two sets of parts being made, all in complete secrecy, and who questions them? Who would risk being put to cleaning? You think they killed Scotty, he asked. Juliet nodded. Walk. I think it's worse than that. She leaned closer, the compressor rattling, the hiss of the released air filling the room. I think they kill everybody. Dun-dun-dun! So a few things are interesting in there. Um, maybe someone will find a clearer explanation of the heat tape thing.
1: Yeah, I was about to say actually. I think that's much more clearly explained in that extract from the book than it is in the than it is in the show. And I think that's actually a rare instance where tell is actually clearer than show. Yeah. Because if you show that they just look like the same thing. You know, it's silver tape.
0: Yeah, um,
1: But actually to have it explained like that, I think that's actually clearer.
0: Yeah, and also um, I love that Walker creates a noise disruption like we keep seeing in the show. Yeah. I know, uh, yeah, the 8 by 2 inch display that they're talking about, it's the visor and the cleaning helmets. So back in the show silo, Shirley leaves Martha feeling mad at herself for being too scared to walk out that door. And so she does. Martha walks out that door. Cue all the Walker Walks memes. Um <laughs> Was this scene effective for you, a satisfying oh, end to this arc? The, fir- the first time
1: I watched that, not a word of a lie, I was sitting here in my living room on my own. I actually cheered. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> properly cheered. Um, and Harriet Walter, I mean, she's been great throughout this season, but that scene and the, the, the scene slightly later on where she meets Hank, Right. Um, I just thought that was just so good. It was just so good. And and then what is quite a dark show by design, to have that moment of a character sort of looking, looking the worst fear in the eye and overcoming it. Yeah. It was just really nice.
0: Yeah. I also liked how it was done. Uh, I especially liked the music that they used in that moment. Yeah. And...
1: The, it was a really good cue, a really good little musical cue. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And Harriet Walker's performance, of course. Um, I, I also like how it was done in the book. Only there wasn't the tape situation that wasn't what made Walker step outside in the book. Um, So, yeah, whatever Walker in the book did to make sure everything was, quote unquote, good in supply, he must have done by electronic messaging or maybe a trusted messenger. Book Walker, he took his first steps outside right after he found out that Juliet hadn't cleaned and had walked over the hill and he had to go and find out more. So the book version of that very briefly is Walker lifted his foot and leaned out past his doorway, his boot hovering over untrammeled ground. He took a deep breath, fell forward, and caught himself on it, and suddenly he felt like some intrepid explorer himself. There he was, 40-something years later, teetering down a familiar hallway, one hand brushing the steel walls, a corner coming up around which his eyes could remember nothing. And Walker became one more old soul pushing into the great unknown, his brain dizzy with what he might find out there. So, yeah, I I do think the book also like we have this heady high of initially getting out. And then the book also really represents the agoraphobia uh, well. Uh, I think that the show did it well, but the book has more room to really lean into it yeah. in a more realistic way. Um, so what happens after he leaves uh, and as he's going, he's going toward the mess hall, you know, because that's where everyone gathers down a mechanical Walker made it to the end of the hallway and found himself leaving the comforting confines of the tight corridor to enter the wider entrance to Mechanical. The room he saw was full of young shadows. They hung out in groups, whispering to themselves. He took a deep breath and hurried through that damned open space, focusing on each step, moving one foot ahead of him at a time, each small patch of floor a thing to conquer. After a short lifetime, he finally crashed into a wall on the other side and hugged the steel panels in relief. Behind him the shadows laughed, but he was too frightened to care. Sliding across the riveted steel, he grabbed the edge of the mess hall door and pulled himself inside. The relief was enormous. Even though the mess hall was several times the size of his workshop, it was at least full of crowding furniture and people he knew. With his back to the wall, his shoulder against the open door, he could almost pretend it was smaller. He slumped to the ground and rested. Um, But, yeah, I guess in the show version, yeah, there's not much time to deal with fighting anxiety, especially in a 44-minute episode.
1: The thing is, as well, with the little bit of time she does have, I think Harriet Walter absolutely sells
0: it. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely sells it.
0: And you get that uh, excellent line, uh, you're not going to die, it just feels like it, she says to herself. Yeah. And they blur the image so that we feel Martha's disorientation.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, I just, like I say, I I actually cheered. It actually made me sit up and punch the air that th- she managed to do that. And I think that just goes to show like just how you, just how into the show I was in that moment. Right. Th- there's not many shows on TV that will get me to react that way. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah no. And I, I think it is an improvement that the show did to give her like a good reason why someone in supply would help her swap out the tape. Yes, that that does make sense. So that's the payoff of the Carla mystery. Are you happy with the resolution to this mystery? I quite like the
1: idea that that it was Carla Meadows. But, yeah.
0: but yes, in the context of the
1: plot it made sense. Right. Because like you say, it would have to have been somebody, it would have to have been somebody very close to Walker to take that risk. Right. But on the other hand, it couldn't have been somebody we knew well because that might have given the game away.
0: Yeah. And hey, Carla has dogs, more pets. Yeah, she does I think she has she has a couple of dogs, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, it sounded like it. Yeah. yeah. Um and yeah, she seems surprised to see Martha, but like not that surprised to see Martha. Do you think she knows she shut herself in for twenty-five years?
1: I'd sort of got in my head what had happened is people had noticed her coming, like from mechanical, and maybe somebody had sent a porter ahead. Maybe somebody had worked out the direction she was walking in and sent a porter ahead. To let Carla know that she was coming. Yeah. Because, yeah, she, she didn't seem surprised. And you would think she'd have every reason to be surprised if this person just turned back up on her
0: doorstep. After 25 years, yeah. After 25 years. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of doubting that because also I don't know that they trust the Porters. But, yeah, I don't, I'm hoping that we find out next season why they broke up. Because yes. I don't believe it's it's not because she chews with her mouth open.
1: <laughs> We're going to say, we already know she chews with her mouth open. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and then we get, uh, Carla delivers my favorite line of the episode. Is this about that fucking heat tape? <laughs> <laughs> because I said on Twitter, yes, the whole season has kind of been about that fucking heat tape, Carla. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but she's not a big fan of Bernard, so bonus points for Carla. And um presumably that along with her love of Martha and anger at the injustice of it all that's presumably what gets her to agree with swapping the heat tape out the shitty heat tape that's been made for the suits that's designed to fail will be replaced with the good heat tape from mechanical that's made to last and Juliet will be the first cleaner whose suit is actually properly sealed.
1: I mean I was wondering as well whether Carla had seen had seen the transmission you know of outside from earlier on, and maybe that maybe that swayed her into helping. I
0: don't know. you think she would have said something, but I, who knows? Yeah. I think it's yeah, it's unclear who actually saw that. Yeah, it, yeah.
1: That's something I hope they address in, like, the first episode of next season. Was it just the janitors? Was it just the people
0: in that control room, or what? Well, Hugh Howie said in the AMA that they saw a flash outside of the room, so I don't Okay. Know. Um... Yeah. And uh, back on the stairs, Bernard says it's break time for the perp walk uh, because he's going to give her a tour of the janitor's closet. And as we go in, by the way, we see that the reels that think story might be film canisters. They're actually spools of wire, which makes more sense. But film canisters would have been cool. Um, And the janitorial staff gets their second shock of the day when the ex sheriff fugitive walks in with Bernard. Uh, But they're not surprised at all about what's on the tape they're about to show her and just as I thought George reveals were over, Ferdinand Kingsley is back to deliver one last heartbreak. He actually really did commit suicide. He was certain that Trumbull was going to try to torture information out of him, and he didn't want to put Juliet or the information he had at risk. Um, Now, in the list of sad George scenes, where does this one rank for you?
1: Oh, it was, it ranked really high, because there's just the way that George looks directly at the camera, just before he falls, he... pushes himself off the railing and it's it's like he was hoping juliet would see that yeah
0: yeah because he looks at yeah because he looks in the camera and like i was wondering was that like a look for sims nard or was that for juliet yeah I think that was for Juliet, because he does like his hand over his heart. Yeah, it wasn't
1: an "f you" look. It wasn't a. It wasn't a look yeah. of
0: defiance. It was a. It was kind of like I do this for you. Yeah,
1: you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the the scene in Empire Strikes Back where Han Solo goes into the Carbonite and he's looking at Princess Leia all the way as mm-hmm. he as he sort of dipped into it.
0: I know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was a that was a really affecting scene. I push back slightly on the idea that that. Um, George committed suicide because.
0: Okay. Yeah, technically he did. I mean, he threw himself over, but yeah, but it wasn't like because he was depressed yeah. or whatever. Yeah. He's
1: probably a dead man either way. So. He basically he bit the cyanide. Though, yeah, he you know? did. Yeah.
0: Um, I find it interesting though that Diego asked Bernard, "How much do you want to see?" So it makes me wonder if we'll see like what happened before that next season.
1: Yeah. Also, they have like full volume on the. They have like full audio visual on the
0: cameras as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because was... our CCTVs is mostly yeah. just visual. Yeah. yeah. And their their visuals are much better too. They are. So. They're really sharp. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Because obviously uh, what's being used I- within the silo is like stuck in the 80s. And what's being used to surveil the silo seems a bit slightly more advanced than what we have. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so, and then it's off to Juliet's cell. She goes for measurements for her cleaning suit and Bernard approaches Sims to smooth over all of the kicking him around. He's been doing this episode and Sims says the arrest has calmed things down in the silo, which is interesting. Uh, do you think people are just afraid laying low?
1: Yeah, I think people are just laying low. I think people are, are waiting to see what happens next. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Bernard says that he was rash to dismiss Sims as his shadow and he might reconsider. They'll talk about it after they deal with the Nickel situation. Um do you think he means this or do you think he's just playing a new game?
1: No, I think he means it because like I was saying in the last episode, I if he if he's not going to appoint Sims as his shadow, then who on earth is he going to appoint hmm. as his shadow? Cuz like Doug Trumbull is dead. Amundsen. <laughs> Am- yeah, Doug Trumbull
0: is dead. I mean, Doug Trumbull was a yeah. terrible candidate yeah, in the Trumbullo first place. Doug <laughs> Trumbull was a
1: terrible candidate. Amundsen, you know, is himbo, himbo raider. He's yeah.
0: not. But that's that's. But these are people who are considered for Sims role, which is more like the enforcer yeah. role. But clearly neither of those had the the brains and the finesse to yeah. you know, but run it's, IT. It's, it's
1: like I was saying last week. Like, Either it's got to be Sims or Bernard has to find somebody else. And he has mm-hmm. to he has to give that somebody else enough of the truth to see whether, A, they'll accept it, and B, whether they're smart enough to get with the program. And, like, he's clearly done that with Sims. To do that with another person, uh, particularly with all the uncertainty in the silo, seems a tad risky, seems like more of a risk than Bernard would probably be willing to take.
0: Okay. Um, And then we get the show version of the prison visit scene, uh, but it's with Papa Nichols, Ian Glenn, instead of Lucas, and he's got some home cooking. Um, yeah, so it wasn't the Lucas scene I expected, but I do feel like it was fitting and like necessary even given how they've developed Juliet and her father's relationship in the show. Um, did you find, were you touched by this one?
1: Yeah, and like, I think it's testament to why they changed the gender of Walker's character as well, because I think if it had been a paternal relationship between Walker and Juliet rather than a maternal relationship... I think that you might have introduced an element of tension, but you'd, you'd almost turned it into like a paternal love triangle, which is probably not where you wanted it to go. I
0: hate, but lots of kids have two dads. But, just lots saying. of kids have
1: two dads. But I think changing Walker's character is a nice way of not creating a tension that you didn't mean to create. Okay. Um, And I also think, obviously, uh, Harriet Wall has been outstanding in that role. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think this scene was the first time I went, Oh, I can see why you've swapped Walker's gender here. Because if you didn't, I think you'd sort of cut across Dr. Nichols, the role you've set up for Dr. Nichols too much.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, and this scene really hammers home the shared history that these two characters share with like that whole, like you know, we always say at least one bite, even if you're not hungry. It just kind of paints the childhood scene in just uh, one sentence. Um, and this was actually the scene that got me teariest this week out of all. Of them. Yeah,
1: and I, I love the fact that um, their relationship has gotten to the point where Doctor Nichols can ask her, "Are you going out to clean because it's something because of something I've done?" Because oh, like yeah. when you when when we first met them, I don't think they could have had that. Either of them could have had that conversation,
0: right? Yeah, no, it's it's and Juliet, she wants to tell her father like the full, full truth, but she knows she's being watched on camera. And if she says the wrong thing, then he and her friends will pay for it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a sad scene for that, too, because like he wants to understand and she wants to tell him, but she like literally can't. Yeah. And um, our other prisoner, Lucas, Avi Nash, he isn't doing that much better. Uh, Bernard, he hisses about his natural talent and intellectual curiosity. But Lucas was not a good boy. Uh, So it's to the mines he goes for 10 years where Bernard cruelly notes that he will see no lights in the sky. Now, do you think Bernard's actually going to send him to the mines? Or do you think he might have offered him some other kind of off-camera out, uh, some shady deal to save himself?
1: Maybe. I mean, I, I know Bernard is the big boss man, but like... It struck me as weird that Bernard can just say, you're off to the mines for a decade without any...
0: Yeah, he's the mayor. But yeah, you would think, yeah, there should be a...
1: Without even like a show trial. Without even like the semblance of a trial. I mean, I guess
0: judicial would just rubber stamp it anyway. Yeah,
1: I I guess they would. and Maybe like it's a 44 minute episode and we don't have time to go through that. But (laughs) I thought it's like, yeah, like I know Bernard is mayor. I know he's the boss of IT. But that seems like an incredible amount of power that you can just... Send somebody to the mines for a decade.
0: Yeah, he's he's uh, high on power this episode, yeah. Bernard. And by um,
1: by the way, um, Avi Nash again does does sort of wide eyed terror. Um, yeah, wide eyed terror and just being broken by the situation. Like, yeah, really well. Um, it will be interesting to see where they go with Lucas because at the end of this scene, I I just took him as like a completely broken man, like the way mm-hmm. Avi Nash is holding himself, like the way he doesn't push back at Bernard at all. I just yeah. took him as being like completely broken by the situation. So it will be interesting to see if that's the case. Does he sort of find his way back? What happens to his mom, to his mother who yeah. he looks after. Um so yeah, I think that's gonna be a be an interesting little subplot of season two.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wouldn't mind getting to see The Minds, but I also understand book readers being nervous about how far off track Lucas's story seems to be going. Um, I still think it's going to end up in the same place as the book next season uh, because that's like a key part of the overall story, but I can understand why they might want to take a more action-oriented path to get yeah. for the television show.
1: And I mean, and I mean, Lucas and Lucas and Juliet are going to have to have a conversation at some point because it's, it's not like Lucas has gone out of his way to to harm Juliet, but he hasn't really been of any help either.
0: No. Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah, th- there's going to be an interesting conversation between the two of them.
0: Yeah, I would like to see uh, his reaction to finding out uh, what happened with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do at least get confirmation that they're mining iron ore. Uh, so that's, that's what they're mining in the books too. And yeah, and now it's about cleaning time. So we see the ceremonial transportation of the tape, the good tape. To seal the cleaning suit, uh, along with the boxes of wool that Juliet's supposed to use to clean the sensor outside. And Shirley brings <laughs> up some. Uh, I did like when you
1: see the boxes mm-hmm. and it's got
0: wool written across. Yeah. It. It's like drink. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> right. You've mentioned the title of the book, yeah. drink. <laughs> Leo pointing me. <laughs> yeah, Leo pointing me. Um, and Shirley brings up some hush puppies to Jules as a last meal. And unlike Hank's previous delivery, she didn't eat them all.
1: No. Um, I mean, like, Shirley definitely has feelings for Juliet. Yeah, you think, I don't think You think, think they're romantic, reci- not just besties? Yeah, no, I think definitely romantic. I, I don't think they're reciprocated at this point, but I think Shirley definitely holding a massive candle
0: for Juliet. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have other than when we f- saw their first interaction and there seemed to be some like history there. I haven't seen anything else that necessarily indicates more than friendship, but we'll see. OK, um, but yeah, but Shirley encourages Jules to empty the container, even if she's not hungry. Wink, wink. And so, yeah, shines a note at the bottom. Surprise from Walker. And it says you wanted the truth. The truth is I love you. Have no fear. The good in supply. Which ends exactly the same way as the note she gets from Walker in the book, which says, no fear, now is for laughing, the truth is a joke, and they're good in supply. So, <laughs> after the, watching the episode a couple of times, does this note make sense to you now? Yeah, it does. Although, I do, like I said, it didn't make sense to me the first
1: time I watched right. the, the episode. I, 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 I only got it second time around.
0: No, exactly. And I, it's the same with the book too. It that you're like, they are good in supply. But then Juliet also notices that supply is written with a capital S and then that's where she starts to think, Oh, you know, okay. the, the click gets to tape. So yeah. And then we check in on Billings with his wife, Kathleen, Caitlin Oz and he tells her Sims knows about the syndrome. And, um, I guess he's not moving to the sheriff's apartment, by the way, because no, he says probably. they get to stay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, maybe it's burnt. I'm going to say that
1: the kitchen is probably a complete mess at least. So, yeah.
0: And what kind of deal do you think that he made with Sims to keep his job and his secret?
1: I don't know, but it can't be anything good. Because my first, my first instinct was, did he give Sims the page out of, did he give Sims the Uh, page out of the book? Oh, please no. (laughs) But if, but if he'd done that, why wouldn't Sims just send him to the mines or
0: right. Or I feel like if that had happened, then we would see Sims like show that to Bernard or something. Yeah. I can't work out what Billings
1: has that they need so badly that they have to cut him a deal.
0: Um... Well, I mean now, especially that, you know, his syndrome has been addressed. He's basically Sims thinks he's basically under his complete control.
1: Yeah, but they, they could. He could just make Amundsen sheriff. He could just make.
0: Yeah, but come on. Amundsen the, the, brings a stapler and calls an illegal relic. Amundsen? I, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I don't think Amundsen knows the pact.
1: But yeah, but it's like. This is the thing. We've gone from Holston to Juliet to Billings, and it's like. You know, how much. Is the sheriff's office just for show? Mm. Or do you, as Simsnard, actually want. Somebody who is going effective. to who's going to be effective. And I guess right. you kind of do want somebody who's going to be kind of effective, because you don't want to have to send the raiders to deal with every piddling right. little crime you, and infraction of the pact.
0: You just want them to stay out of the things you want them to stay out of, yeah.
1: Yeah, and actually I think I think Billings Billings probably hits that sweet spot mm. quite well, actually. But what I'm really interested in is what happened. What happened with the pages he tore out of the book? Is the book still intact and in hiding somewhere? Um, And will, in the moment, Kathleen is, like, really relieved that obviously, you know, um, this great secret is out and it doesn't matter. But I just wonder, will she start questioning at some point, well, why are they willing to grant you this, like, massive exception? What have you done? What have you?
0: I don't know, but would she care? Because she's kind of feeling kind of ruthless to me these last couple episodes. Yeah,
1: but it's sort of what have you done, and what might the consequences be of that be for me and for me and our daughter? Hmm. Um, because yeah, Simpson and Bernard don't make deals, they don't have to make. Hmm. So what has Billings got on
0: them? Yeah, yeah, whatever it is, uh, he's super ox when he lets Juliet out of her cell for cleaning time, and uh, Bernard points out that. He's a stickler for the rules. Which, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Bernard. We've noticed. We've <laughs> t- noticed. Taking a cue that. from Diego. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Juliet says he probably should have been sheriff in the first place. Do you agree with her?
1: Yeah, probably. Uh, probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, of course. Yeah, this it wouldn't have been good for the story. But uh, no. <laughs> but he does seem at no. least a show version. I,
1: I, I still can't like. I think that is one of that is one of like the enduring mysteries going forward from season one to season two is where on earth the Billings' loyalties really lie. Yeah. Because he's sort of gone he's sort of gone back and forth um throughout the entire season. And like if we're doing the Juliet Sims scale, he is mm-hmm. right at the moment smack for me, he is right yeah. smack dab in the middle. Um yeah. so yeah, I'm gonna be really interested to see where Billings go goes. I'm gonna be really interested to see if we find out more about the the family Billings as well, because I think Kathleen has it. I think there is scope to make Kathleen a really interesting character, right? Um, in terms of their, in terms of their relationship, in terms of how they met, what they want, will she be okay with him being Simsnard's Catspore um, in the in the in the silo? Hmm. You know, I I think she could become a really interesting character. Okay,
0: yeah. Um. And so, Bernard, he drops another bomb during this little pre-cleaning chat. Uh, he tells Juliet that her parents weren't supposed to have children. So, it sounds like Dr. Nichols actually might have secretly been removing his wife's birth control after all. I took that
1: more that just the birth control fails from time to time as birth but control... for two kids?
0: For the same woman? I don't know. Chances are low. Yeah, Maybe. You're probably right,
1: actually. He probably did remove her birth control.
0: Um, Yeah, and so then Bernard drops another bomb. He says that Juliet's mother's death really was a suicide. And um, yeah, Juliet responds to all this saying that the survival of the silo isn't worth it if it requires the deaths of so many good people. Do you agree?
1: I can see where Bernard is coming from. It's hard not to, yeah. Yeah, th- this is what makes Bernard a bad guy, but not neces hmm. but not necessarily evil because he's just internalized a very utilitarian logic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if he th- if he thinks that the full weight of the survival of the human race has fallen on his shoulders somehow. Right. That is going to give you a very, that can't not give you a very warped view of the world and priorities. And also, I think what, what we've sort of learned in the last few episodes is Bernard is a profoundly lonely person.
0: Mm, I mean, as far as we know, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, but also you can see where Juliet's coming from. Because any society that has to kill innocent people or has to kill people full stop to sustain itself maybe isn't worth sustaining and the the thing is bernard doesn't know that people couldn't handle the truth about the outside world he's making the assumption that they can't
0: yeah um yeah but juliet she still thinks that desolate uh, display in the cafeteria is the lie not the green and uh, she asks why bernard doesn't tell people and of course he's not about to correct her because he's just about to send her out into it and he wants it to have the same effect on her as it does on everyone else to make her complacent, so she cleans and then dies before she realizes what's happening, like we saw Holston do. But when she mentions the door that George found in the digger room, Bernard looks shook. Hugh Howie has confirmed that this is new information to Bernard. Does that surprise you?
1: It does. I thought Bernard... I thought what shook Bernard is that she knew about it. Hmm. I'd assumed he already knew about it. But I think if that's, if that's new information... That is interesting for season two because it, it indicates that maybe Bernard is not the all-seeing, all-knowing, omnipresent figure that we've kind of taken him for.
0: Yeah. And I have to say, um, a lot of people wrote in to say that they thought that Bernard didn't know about the door. Um, I'm not necessarily reading out all those specific individual comments, but that was oh, a popular theme in the feedback. Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this is why we later see Bernard staring at that hard drive disc looking pretty regretful about having smashed it. Because he's he's like, well, I should have taken a look first, (laughs) but he's got to cover it up for now. So he just says the founders left us with many mysteries. And he tells Juliet that she's attracted the largest crowd ever. So this means everyone sees what's about to go down. And uh, Bernard grants Juliet's last request. He gives her Holston's badge to bring out with her. So it's cleaning time in the down deep mess hall and Knox is nobody's favorite person. Uh, We see Shirley side-eye him and walk away when he comes to watch. But but before that, he passes another guy who looks at him, very pissed off, and crosses his arms. And that's Hugh Howie. The promised cameo has arrived.
1: Yeah, and it it was a very prominent cameo. Like, we'd been led to believe it would be. But yeah, he is standing right front and centre. There is no way you could cut that scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you missed it, um, you'll find him standing right behind Knox, like throughout the whole scene. And he's like really rooting for Juliet to make it as she's outside.
1: <laughs> I've got to say, he's slightly chewing the scene. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: he said in an AMA this weekend that the screen really was real and they were actually watching projections of Rebecca Ferguson acting. So it was actually really emotional to film. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. And Martha's there in the mess hall, too, uh, not looking too happy to be surrounded by people, but she's not going to miss this. Not if Juliet's going to put on the show she and Carla planned. And then we get the final recitation of the cleaning mantra for this season and Juliet's last words. I'm not afraid. Do you believe her? No. Yeah. Her eyes darting around. Tell me another story. Yeah. (laughs) And the way she jumps when the gas is sprayed on her.
1: I don't know. I wasn't sure whether that was acting, actually, or whether that was Rebecca Ferguson being genuinely sort of taken aback by that.
0: What, startled about the gas? Yeah, just startled.
1: On her? Yeah, just startled by it.
0: Yeah, people have asked lots of questions about the gas, by the way, and the explanation given is that it's argon gas to pressurize the chamber. Because
1: actually, I was reading an interview with Rebecca Ferguson, and she was saying that she actually got a little bit claustrophobic inside the suit while oh, they were, while, they were, while they were filming that scene. Yeah. It wasn't very pleasant at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can see her being genuinely startled by the um, by the gas.
0: <laughs> um, And then she's outside, and she's blown away by the beauty, of course. But wait a minute. Aren't those birds doing exactly the same thing the birds in the James Carmody cleaning video were doing? She realizes the display that's the lie, it isn't the cafeteria screens. It's the screen in her helmet that's lying. So in a move that's not from the book... She walks up to the camera, but she doesn't clean. She does a total wool drop instead. So she will be the first cleaner in memory not to clean. Take that, Bernard. Were you into that moment, the wool drop? You know what I was thinking throughout this? It makes Holston and
1: Alison's death even sadder because they both thought that they'd solved the mystery. They both thought mm-hmm. that they'd found their way to the truth, whereas really they'd just signed their own death warrants. It was already pretty heartbreaking, but it just made it so much sadder. Yeah, um, yeah, and it was a good it was a good job. Holston had only been out to clean a couple of weeks before because the sensor wasn't actually that dirty. It didn't really need cleaning, so yeah, it's
0: yeah. true. But yeah, she and Jules just starts meandering to the hill, um, and Bernard thinks she's going to drop dead any second, but he doesn't know that her suit has actually been properly sealed. I guess Sims probably does know about the heating tape being designed to fail, right?
1: I'm not sure that he does. So I think Sims looks genuinely puzzled in this. Well,
0: I don't know because, I mean, he knows that they all die at that point, and Bernard's like, oh, any second now. And it almost felt like, you know, he, that was an inside man talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because they were kind of saying that, that nobody ever gets past that tree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically.
0: Yeah, but still, I do wish she would, I did wish that she would, like, book it a little more. Um,
1: yeah, uh, stop, stop wandering around, Jules, get, get yeah. over the hill Because, I mean, that's the thing, that, that, that tape, that tape, maybe better tape, it may keep you alive for a while, but it's not going to
0: keep you alive yeah. indefinitely. I and mean, she doesn't have an infinite air supply either, so. Yeah, yeah. But I I was very happy when she paused after stumbling uh, over what looked to be two rocks leaning against each other in the display. Uh, Bernard thinks she's just going down because she's dying, but she just tripped. Uh, And the display glitches and she realizes, based on where they're positioned also, that it's actually Holston and Allison's bodies, uh, not, not rocks. And Bernard says she knows with fear in his eyes and books it out of the room. And she does know Juliet, realizing she's next to Holston's body, places his badge on top of him. Fitting end to Holston's story? Yeah, and
1: again, I, I think I've got something in my eye. Because, yeah. Oh, like, I, I really, I know it's not going to happen, but I really want Holston and Allison to have their own sped-off series. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what I want them to do in that series. I just Holston hang and Alison, the happy I, years. Yeah, 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 I just want to hang out
0: with them for a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, there is rumors that um, yellowo was seen around set for season two. So maybe there'll be interesting. Flashbacks. So maybe there's some
1: flashbacks. Interesting. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: And yeah, the other thing Juliet realizes is that we're good in supply means we got you the good tape. And uh, so this gives Juliet time to breach that perimeter hill that she was never supposed to cross. And we see while this is happening, Bernard run to the server room and break out his glowing red key fob but they stop it there and they don't show us what's inside. Is that, he's not going into the control room we've already seen. Sorry, not the control room. I mean the server room.
1: Yeah, he's going somewhere, he's going somewhere He's going into, it says
0: server room. Okay. So
1: it's where the servers are.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And um, yeah, and meanwhile, as Juliet crests the hill, the green imagery glitches and the truth is revealed. Now in the book, it's pretty clear in this moment why the green disappears, but here they seem to be making it more ambiguous. What do you think happened?
1: I just think like the the, the the image, the program wasn't designed to carry on after a certain point. Because we know no. it's a fairly limited program because the birds are always in the same place. It's, it's right. replaying the same set of images over again. So like clearly it's not designed for anybody to survive past a certain
0: point. Right. So they wouldn't have it run indefinitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And why do you think they use the fake green for the cleaners at all?
1: I've been wondering that. I suppose the obvious answer is you need to motivate people to clean the to clean the sensor. And, like, if people think that by doing that they're going to, like, show some revelation, that would work for the first few cleanings, maybe. But past a certain point, people would have seen enough cleanings to realise that cleaning the sensor isn't going to show, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. In the show, um, that's indeed, that's the explanation they give for why people clean. Um, in the book, the explanation why people clean is that seeing the green makes people feel sorry for the people they left behind. So they want to give them like a clear view as a parting gift. And I I personally find that version a little more compelling. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And it's also my my friend pointed out like, well, what if you're blind? You know, you don't see that at all. So yeah. <laughs> You've beat the system.
1: Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I'm not. Like, I kind of get it, but I'm not sure either the show or Hugh Howie have thought it all the way through. But then again, this is fiction. Yeah. Not everything has to fit together in a nice neat package. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm I'm willing to go with it uh just because it's important for the story and I love the story. Yeah. Because, you know, that sets things up. But I do prefer the book explanation a little yeah. bit more. The
1: other the other unanswered question, or maybe it's not unanswered maybe they just left it open because it doesn't really matter anymore we still don't know to a certainty who killed amans and johns because if it was bernard and sims they could have done that why do that now
0: uh yeah um well yeah there will be some talk about that in the feedback section but yeah that's yeah it's a lingering question yeah um it's not completely resolved in the books either. It's just, I mean, it's, it's the same sort of like vaguely. We know Bernard had something to do with it. Yeah. But, uh, and it was just sort of because they were getting in the way, you know, clear the path, get Billings mm. in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in any case, Juliet now sees the desolation is reality. And not only that, as she looks back down at her underground silo, she sees a wide perimeter of dirt around that little sensor tower. And uh, when she looks out beyond that wide perimeter of the hill, she sees this pattern repeated across the landscape as far as she can see. And in the distance, that city in ruins you mentioned. So how many silos do you think there might I mean, be?
1: I, I paused this and I got up to about, I got up to two dozen. Okay. So at least two at dozen. Least two, at least two dozen. So assuming 10,000 people each, mm-hmm.
0: we're looking at maybe something close to a quarter of a million people. Okay, and do you have any thoughts on what the city might be?
1: Um, I don't, but I think unless I'm shown otherwise in season 2, my assumption is that city is dead. So,
0: yeah, well. I mean, it was it was in ruins. You can see the towers rotting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, since they haven't explicitly stated in the show, I won't say what city it is, but non there are non-readers online who have not only figured it out based on clues from the series. But some people actually found the exact spot that uh, this shot was filmed in the real world. So if you don't mind that spoiler, you can find the ruined skyline laid over a real world skyline of a popular filming location. Uh, And that's, yeah, a post in the Silo series subreddit. Okay. I'm
1: going to go and have to look that up uh, when we finish recording (laughs) the podcast.
0: Uh, Slight spoiler. Yeah. All right. And, And yeah, and that was the episode. So many answers, so many questions. Uh, But, of course, we have more questions and theories to get into from the Silo Squad community, and we'll be back with those and our final thoughts on the season, plus news about what's next after this quick commercial break. Now opening the listener feedback channel. All right, let's get into some of this feedback. We first, we have an email from Rihanna and Rihanna said, hello, love the podcast. In watching the series, I'm beginning to think that whoever the head of the silo was at the time of the rebellion caused the rebellion. I think they're trying to get rid of information about the before times, but I'm not sure why. I think it was planned from the time the founders opened the silo. Thoughts? Finally, I really hope we get to see people moving into the silo and what that was like. Haven't read the books, but I would love to know the answers. Yeah, Rihanna, I can tell you we definitely get to see people moving into the silo, but probably that's second book stuff, so probably season three. Uh, But what do you think, Luke? Do you think the rebellion was planned from the get-go?
1: I don't think the rebellion was planned from the get-go, but I do think there was probably a deliberate attempt to erase sort of all memory of time before the silo from the beginning. Because if you think about it, if the world genuinely is just a poisoned wreck, and at this point we have to assume that it is Mm -hmm. why torture people on the one hand you've got the argument we want to preserve history but on the one hand why torture people with the memory of a world that was so much nicer than the one you're sort of condemned to live in so i can see what i can see why it would just make more sense to to want to start over
0: yeah all right and um from twitter we have alia at Hale romanoff um Why was Marnes and Mayor John killed? And okay, so actually Hugh Howey offered some clarification on his AMA this past weekend. He said, John's was killed by mistake. They tried to kill Marnes, didn't realize those two were in love and so drinking from each other's bottles. Once she was dead, their biggest mistake, they still wanted him gone. This was also a mistake. The powers that be thought that he was the troublemaker, but he was actually fighting against Jules being in power and he tried to stop Polston.
1: Yeah, so when Hugh Howie is saying they he's referring to Bernard and Sims? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean I think that's a massive miscalculation on behalf of Sims Nard, if that is if that's the case, because I think Marnes could have been could have been the guy they were looking for. He's not
0: Yeah, but that's what he's saying. Yeah. That he thinks it's a massive miscalculation yeah. too. Yeah.
1: Um so yeah, um that that makes it that makes it even sadder because it's kind of like Holston and Allison. All these people died for nothing. What? In, for yeah. Nothing in the end. It's just pointless.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, Jules gets to see some sort of truth. That's true. Um, all right. So we have uh, from We Are the No at Highnary on Twitter said, "I always found it strange that there were only ten thousand people in the silo." Shocks face that final shot gave me chills seeing the decayed city just off in the distance. I think there's enough space to house a few million people. So I'd say like a hundred, 200 silos in this area could be more near other cities. Um, and then they, they point to Allison's notes and those uh, numbers on them that I mentioned last week, wondering if they could be silos that that she was counting. And yeah, to be clear, I, I don't know what the numbers in those notes were about either. Um, and then, yeah, they continue, the most curious part is Holland running into the server room. I wonder if all the silos have a way of communicating and he's going to warn them. So many questions. Season two needs to start early, LOL. Thoughts?
1: I thought that was what Bernard was doing. I thought he was going to communicate with the, the heads of IT in the other silos or perhaps like the big bad who's in charge of the whole project.
0: So there's like an IT shadow council. yeah.
1: So that basically, okay. basically, just to let them know that this whole thing is completely spun out of control in in this particular silo, and it's sort of past the point where it's past the point where he can do anything about it because Juliet is out there. I mean, this is one of this is one of the big questions that that's left hanging is what does Juliet do next? Yes, mm-hmm. she's got the good heat tape, so she'll survive longer, but she won't survive indefinitely. So she's yeah. either got to go back to the original silo. Or try to enter one of the new ones that she's found. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how she does either of those things. Because there's no way Bernard is going to open the door.
0: No, he just got rid of her.
1: And if he's communicating with the other silos, all they have to do is not open Hmm. the door. Okay. Oh, by the way, just to go on the number of silos, I paused that scene and I counted two dozen. I mean, that's that's not to say there aren't a lot more. Yeah, and that's all I could see in that shot.
0: Yeah, so you're saying let's not overestimate the number. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, next up we have uh, Bidushi Das, at Bidushi underscore Das. Just finished watching the finale, and what a finale it was. I legit cried when Walker walked out. Her last name has a whole new meaning now. And then uh, what she did for Juliet, crying emoji. Love that Mama Bear energy. Also a bit sad, but not surprised that Carla is not Judge Meadows. Um, that trash chute idea was just so cool. I didn't expect that, but it makes so much sense. Bernard gave me the chills this episode, the way he punished Lucas. He's a great villain and really knows how to play people. Juliet included too bad. She and Walker are smarter. I'm quite interested in Bernard now. Actually, I really want to know how and when he was made in charge of the silo. Uh, what was that journey like? Would really love to know an innocent Bernard if there ever was one. Uh, overall, this was a great season and finale. Loved Jules' tribute to Holston and the dropping of the wool was like a mic drop moment. Really looking forward to the next season, especially now that we know there are more silos. This just got more interesting. Uh, yeah, so I definitely want a Bernard origin story next season. How about you?
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. Watching sort of Bernard in his 20s sort of shadow somebody and learning unlearning learning all the, the secrets of the silo. And actually, I think that would be quite a good way to let the audience you know, let Bernard be the audience's avatar and finding out what's going on, depending on how much the showrunners want to tell us at this point. Yeah. Um so yeah, I would I'd like a Bernard origin story. I'd also like it confirmed um whether or not he is you know, he must have had family at some point. Right. So did they all die or Or did he just spawn? Is there somebody some is there like a sister? Or a niece somewhere that, that's never seen him, that he's cut himself off from? Or are they all, were they all just wiped out in some kind of horrible accident? <laughs> uh, the,
0: yeah, that actually Sim's dad did or something.
1: Yeah, something like that. <laughs>
0: um, Alright, next up, uh, Sonic Clang at Sonic Clang. I can't wait for season two of Silo and how great that they've only just began uh, scratching the surface of what's to come. Just imagine what non-book readers are going to think when they start covering the shift book. Mwahaha. So I, I just included that as a little tease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, next up is Stu at Duve 71 He says, wow, great finale from the tense opening to that final shot. Didn't see that twist that Sims and the other watchers didn't know about the fake outside. So all the speculation on multiple silos seems to have come true. And we've been watching Silo 18. Sims does not seem a happy puppy with the current situation. Billings is now being a good little sheriff in the pocket of Sims. Maybe Bernard doesn't know about his syndrome. Uh, was gutted that Bernard smashed that hard drive, but I note the disc was still intact-ish. Next season, I'm hoping to definitely see the effects of Juliet walking over the hill, Juliet entering an abandoned silo, uh, as we are assuming that's not that not every silo has a pact or stuck to the pact. Maybe Juliet re-entering silo 18 via the door under the water. Speculation is rife in the house at the moment that all silos were originally connected and traveled between was simple. Maybe the rebellion was wider than we know, and 18 shut themselves off. We definitely know that the earth outside the silo is barren and devastated, as we saw a ruined city in the distance, Atlanta maybe. Must get reading the books now as my head is spinning. So, a lot in there. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, I like the idea that at one point all the silos were connected and that people moved freely between them that would make sense, and it would explain that big ass door <laughs> um and you know maybe there are tunnels that link all the silos um together because you know in the beginning, when you were building these silos, why would you systematically cut them off one from the other that doesn't I don't really see a reason f- for doing that, like I said, I wonder whether the rebellion actually succeeded in all the other silos and silo eighteen or what I don't mean we can. No that it is silo 18. No, so that's his speculation.
0: Silo. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, original silo. Mm-hmm. I think the Re- that might be the one silo in which the rebellion failed. And that's why they cut themselves off from the wider the wider network, possibly.
0: Interesting speculation. Um okay, moving over to Discord and uh for any new listeners, we have a silo channel and a uh Silo book spoiler discussion thread on the Lorehounds Discord and You will find the link in the show notes if you'd like to join us and chat. Um, So we have from Sherry. uh, She says, Martha is the MVP of this episode. George really did love Juliet. He died to protect her. And Rebecca Ferguson played the hell out of that scene. And Sims definitely doesn't know the truth. It was right in front of us from the beginning. Such a good season finale. Uh, So what do you think? Is Martha the MVP of the episode? Yeah,
1: I think she she probably is because Jones doesn't survive without her. Yeah, that's um, true.
0: Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It all hinged on her taking those steps outside for the first time in 25 years. That's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, and Scribe Jack says, just watch the finale. So good. Do other silos have sensors too? Is Jules just going to walk up to one and be all howdy neighbor? Um, and I have, <laughs> to, I have to say that Bepi um, Suisse uh, on Reddit said something similar. Uh, we open with a shot of the cafeteria of a completely different silo. Suddenly Jules walks in front of their camera. So what do you think? Will she surprise some other sheriff over breakfast?
1: I've just got this image of like Lucas's counterpart somewhere in another silo, um, tracking the stars. And all of a sudden, what? <laughs> <laughs> there's somebody outside. Um, yeah, no, that's like I say, I think that was what Bernard was trying to prevent. He was trying to get the word out to the other silos that this had happened. You know, shut down your monitors. Okay. Fake some sort of technical outage, do something.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. Um and Jack also said, I'm ninety percent sure that Bernard telling Sims they are going to revisit the Shadow Discussion is going to hinge on Sims' quote unquote cleaning house, as it were, when it comes to those janitors. Uh what do you think? Are the janitors doomed?
1: Well, I certainly if I was Amundsen, I wouldn't be um I wouldn't be thrilled about my career prospects. Cause you're probably a step up on um on Doug Trumbull, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, you still can't get good help in
0: judicial. Um, It's a hell of a job. I mean, no wonder wonder Camille moved away.
1: And also, like, Diego Obvious is just annoying enough that, that, you know, (laughs) at some point, stop narrating, man.
0: (laughs) We've got eyes we can see. That's what the cameras are for, dude. Um, And yeah, Davy Mack simply says, Chekhov's heat tape. And indeed, David Mack, indeed. Maybe that's what any future T-shirts should say.
1: Yeah. We've got too many, many Chekhovs now. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm still going. But at I the end just... of the
0: day, Chekhov's heat tape was the uh, most Chekhov-y of all.
1: Chekhov's camcorder did pay off in the end. So... Uh,
0: yeah, a little bit. But yeah. the, the heat, heat tape is definitely the MVP. Okay. Well,
1: we will we'll have. To, we can have more than one T-shirt. It's
0: fine. <laughs> um, Dan G says, While I do not think the silos are controlled by AI, there is still some room for me to think that it is true based on a few observations of Bernard. I thought back to Bernard's eulogy and the fact that he opened with a mathematical take. Might be how early AI would think to open a speech. His joke fell flat too, as it was quite mechanical and uncalled for. Bernard's face turn when he admitted to Juliet he was not on her side was reminiscent of data from Star Trek TNG and his facial tics. My pure speculation is that Bernard is AI and manages silo number 18 for whatever, whoever is in charge of all of them. Uh, I'll add that a consistent theme in sci-fi is human ingenuity and guile outwitting computers. The way the heat tape gambit worked was right up that alley. Lots of communication between characters without saying much. I also really liked the interaction between Martha and Carla when Martha went to supply. Martha, despite the urgency, did not just jump right into what she needed. Martha and Carla re-established their relationship first. Reminded me a little bit of when Johns and Martha spoke for the first time in many years. Excellent writing. So what do you think? Do we have uh, the potential for a Bernard bot on our hands?
1: I'm not... Actually, I, I kind of like that, because I think it does... It would explain sort of several things. It would explain why he is so alone in the universe of the the silo. It would also. It would also be a good way of dealing with the shadow problem. Like... The reason Bernard doesn't have a shadow is that he won't be replaced by a human at some at some point. There'll another just be android another Bernard. With, yeah, we <laughs> uh, not another Bernard, but another android with a different backstory, different face. Okay. Will just show up
0: and replace it. How how would they get that in? Or do you think they already have like the next the heads of IT in perpetuity?
1: Yeah, maybe it's like the maybe it's like the uh the um, the storage levels in Westworld will just go down and there'll be a there'll be a whole bunch of them in okay. there'll be a whole bunch of them in body bags.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um Okay, Rocky Zim says, that was awesome. Jules should have written F.U., Bernard, or something on the screen before walking away, <laughs> assuming there was enough dirt to write in. <laughs> um, I guess she wouldn't have been able to see the dirt, though. But I was going to say she could have given them the finger, but I guess she kind of did.
1: <laughs> yeah, she kind of did. Uh, wall drop.
0: Yeah. Um, Arctic Fox says, great finale. As a book reader, I really like that they explored Billing's character more deeply than it is done in book one. I think it sets him up pretty well for what he's about to do if things will go in a similar direction as in the last chapters of book one. His motivation now is so much clearer. I felt that this wasn't developed deeply enough in Wool. Yeah, I agree. I think Billings uh, being fleshed out in terms of his motivations and character is one of the best uh, steps up from the show, from the book. Yeah, And
1: I think it's, it speaks well of him, you know, Hugh Howie. Oh, he agrees, yeah. Yeah, as a producer is not mm-hmm. bothered by the fact that other people have read his work and said, you know, we love it. We want to turn it into a TV show, but we do think it can be made better in X, Y, Z.
0: Well, I mean, but there's, a, but I would say that both have, because there are definitely ways in which I think the book is better than the TV show, you know? So um, I, yes. I that's why I, I said at the beginning of this podcast, like, I think they just really complement each other very well, the two. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the TV show is coming into existence because... Yeah, it's driving more people to read the book and you just get like a more 3D view of this story. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rebecca fan says, um, our last Rebecca review from Rebecca fan for a while uh, says, I thought about Rebecca's performance while fit for the suit. Ferguson displays Juliet's terror as she feigns confidence. The portrayal is all in her eyes, lips and minute body movements. When she says, I'm not afraid, she is. She's bloody terrified. It's Ferguson put it in a recent interview but Juliet faces that fear, trusting her family. It is a great performance in subtlety. A final comment on the subject. I loved the comparison between Walk's journey to the cafeteria to Juliet's journey outside. Both are scared to death, but they fight it regardless. By the way, Harriet Walter's interpretation of a panic attack is one of the best I've seen. So, yeah, very well, very beautifully put.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it is a really good scene with Juliet getting measured for the suit i hadn't realized they make them bespoke
0: yeah i mean i guess they just they uh yeah adjust them yeah
1: but yeah i i like the i like the idea that, that uh walker and juliet are on parallel journeys mm-hmm. i hadn't thought about that but it's true they are
0: yeah yeah indeed and then uh from reddit uh farias says not happy with how they did lucas's story hope they still follow the book for him in season two yeah um yeah, we we talked about it in uh, the interview with, that I did with Hugh Howie that I record and will be released slightly after this. And uh, he called the sending Lucas to the mines bit the greatest bit of trolling. So <laughs> take that as... I,
1: I just want, in, in episode one, season two, I just want Billings to walk in to Bernard's office and go, you sent him where? For how long? <laughs> Do you know how illegal that is under the pack? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, d- I just I don't know what is going to happen in like the opening of season two with Lucas, but I feel still 100 percent confident that he's going to end up playing the same important role that he plays in the book. OK. Um, OK. And season one says that was a very tense episode. It does leave a few outstanding questions and uh, they wonder about the mines and the tunnel and door um, in the books. We learn that the mines are right underneath mechanical. Uh, they haven't really defined whether it's the same in the show, but actually Hugh Howie did say that in the AMA, that they are right underneath. Um, and yeah, it looks like we might see them next season. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll definitely have to wait until next season to find out what the tunnel and the door are. Xerxes also asked, now that we know there are more silos, do they communicate? If so, is it the head of IT, which is the main source of control? So this drives with your theory. Uh, Bernard certainly seems to know everything, and Sims just uh, to be an enforcer. The positions of mayor, sheriff, and judicial just seem to be regular civic control with the usual vying for power. What happened in the past that they've required such a vast investment in building silos. It would have taken years and lots of construction and planning and supplies. And how, how did they decide uh, who was selected for silo living? There is no way that everyone involved in the construction would be picked. Uh, is there any life on the surface? Because there's a city in the distance. And yeah, I thought there was poison in the soup. It appears the atmosphere outside the silo is toxic uh, since the good tape provides better sealant. I'll be reading the series because I need a resolution. So thoughts.
1: Yeah. I like the, the, the point about why the silos were built Mm -hmm. in the first place and who got to, who was in the first generation to enter the silos. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting point because obviously. And how long it it, takes. Yeah. And how long it takes and how much it would cost. Um, because obviously whatever catastrophe happened, happened slowly enough or over a long enough period of time that society was able to build these silos. So I think that probably rules out war as a, I don't think it's a nuclear winter that we're looking at. I think okay. it's some kind of, probably some kind of ecological catastrophe. Okay. But until I'm told otherwise, my working assumption is there is no life on the surface. I think those closing shots were meant to convey that the only life was in the silos. So until the show explicitly tells me otherwise, my working assumption is the surface is dead.
0: Okay. Um, and Bass Winger C slash 137 says, so it's all in the wrist, eh? Some tape? Why did she stumble at all? And why did Andy Dufresne say right on schedule? Heck of a fun one. Going to get the books on the Kindle ASAP. Um, so, yeah, we talked about the stumbling already. Uh, and Tim Robbins said right on schedule because he thought her tripping was her dying, like Alison and Holston did there. Um, he didn't realize that she had a better sealed suit. The the thing about
1: Andy Dufresne is I think it's it's a real testament to the strength of Tim Robbins' performance. I really like the Shawshank Redemption. And at no point did I ever think of Bernard as the same guy that played Andy Dufresne. <laughs> It's it's really weird because so I'm watching another show on Apple at the moment where Idris Elba is playing one of the main oh he's is that hijack the main character hijack yeah and the problem with it is every time I watch it I think you're just Idris Elba yeah. you can tell me whoever you are but you're just Idris Elba being Idris Elba uh-huh. um, so I think it's it's a real testament to the quality of the writing and to the strength of Tim Robbins' performance that given all the other stuff I've seen him in over years. Never did I think of him, never once did I think of him as the guy that played Andy Dufresne.
0: Yeah, I just, um, I went back recently and watched Howard the Duck for the first time since I was a kid. And I totally forgot Tim Robbins was in that too. <laughs> oh God, he is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure oh, it's wow. his, his proudest uh, line on his resume. Yeah,
1: that on <laughs> Top Gun, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, but yeah, we keep talking about Harriet Walter as a chameleon, but he deserves that, those props too. So uh, Jess is so lovely says, I thought it was a, such a satisfying ending. I'm curious to know about the other silos. I will assume some haven't had a rebellion and hold more answers as to why they were built. Bernard doesn't know it all. It showed in his face when Juliet told him about the door and tunnel, which makes me think he's definitely answering to a higher up. So yeah, do you think there are other silos that didn't rebel and have more answers, have more history books?
1: Maybe, maybe. Like I say, I mean, I think the first, the first mystery season two has got to solve is where does Juliet go? Because she can't go back to the original silo, right. so somebody, somebody in one of the other silos has to let her in, because she can't survive. I don't think she can survive for very long beyond what we've already seen on the surface. Um, so yeah, I think that's got to be like resolved within the first sort of ten minutes of episode one, season two. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Firefly feels this as well. The finale was incredible. Best episode so far. I can't wait to see more favorite parts. So many seeing Jules go outside and finding out there are other silos. I love Martha and love seeing an older woman have such a cool role. What I want to find out is I'm super curious to see what Billings does now that he saw the book. And they're worried about Jules' air supply adding. I think there will be an uprising and I love to see that. What do you think?
1: The uprising is very definitely possible because like I say, Bernard and Sims out of necessity in the last sort of three, four episodes have blown through Mm -hmm. the pact in a whole variety of ways. And I think the janitors have become much more visible than they really should if that organization is going to work as the power behind the throne. So certainly there are a lot of people in mechanical Mm -hmm. who are very pissed off right now um so yes i could definitely see i could definitely see yeah. a riot
0: okay we do have one last feedback of the season you ready for it white paper bag says a great finale that i only wish could have gone on for 30 ish seconds longer for an additional scene and i've already said which scene that is <laughs> show us the server room um <laughs> That one moment, you know, saving it for an episode one of season two fire starter for the plot is my guess. Hugh's cameo was fun. I saw one mod posted as a template for a new meme format, which is perfect because Hugh was scowling down on Knox with the look of, I should have written you off before you could have done that. <laughs> 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 Just knowing who he was and him being in the frame so prevalently, I almost got a similar feeling of Supernatural, the TV show where God, their writer, would just come down to check out what the main characters were up to and observe up close. Can't wait for season two, and interested to see if you guys have any additional content planned for while we all wait for season two. Even just a trailer, eventually, I'll take anything ASAP. Um, yeah, so love the supernatural comp. Um, I was a big fan of that show, and yeah, we'll talk about our content plans in a sec. Uh, anything else you want to add, Luke?
1: Um, uh, just just to say thank you for all the people in all the all the episodes that have provided feedback. You guys have been great. You've blown my mind repeatedly. And yeah, just thanks for contributing to the podcast and contributing to this little
0: community that we built. Well put, well put. Well, that closes the feedback channel on Silo Season 1. Um, Luke, what are your thoughts on this season as a whole? Now, yeah, we are going to be getting back together with the Lorehounds. Nice crossover episode to... Uh, talk through the entire season but initial thoughts really
1: enjoyed it i'm um, really glad you pitched me this idea for the podcast um i think it's one of a number of very very well produced shows on apple i'm gonna be curious going forward whether Apple are going to keep up this level of investment because they really are throwing money at this.
0: Oh, hey, it's this is actually, um, I mean, this is getting them subs. So this is a show that they have a reason to invest in right now. It is. And they've been good about giving money to other shows. So I think.
1: Yeah, they have. I think they've done an excellent job of introducing an entire world and a set mm-hmm. of characters. And that's what the season one of any show right. like this has to do. Um and it passed that it passed that test with flying colours. It's going to be interesting where they go from here because I've read a couple of interviews with Rebecca Ferguson saying season two is going to be darker, and it's like, yeah, season one was already pretty dark. <laughs> like, yeah. So, wh- how are you going to make this darker? I don't know. Um, uh,
0: I do. <laughs> okay, okay. But I mean, yeah. Just she, she likes to have fun, too. So, you know, um, just think about it from all angles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what are your hopes for season two?
1: Um, I hope we get to meet people in the other silos quite quickly in uh, season two. I think we will, because I think one of the things season one has been good at is not dragging out its mysteries longer beyond their welcome. So mm-hmm. I think we need to see other silos. Pretty early on. I'd like to know what the hell is going on with Billings. Because um, like I said earlier in the podcast, I really don't have a read on where Billings' loyalties lie or where he's going as a character um, mm-hmm. at this point. I'd like to see more of the family sins, um, particularly um, Robert and... Camille. Camille, thank you. Um, and that, well, I want to know what the plan that they have is whether that is just uh, making sure that Anthony is safe or mm-hmm. whether it's more involved in than that. Um, I don't know whether we're going to see too much more of Dr. Nichols. I don't know whether that character has kind of served their usefulness to the plot. He's still alive. Come on. Why do you keep
0: trying to kill him? How is he still man? alive? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I'm not sure we're going to see too much more of him. Um... <laughs> I'd like to see um, I'd like to see Shirley forgive Knox, and I'd like to see more of the down deep in general. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's a lot you could do with Hank. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot you could do with Knox. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot you could do with Shirley.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I wonder whether season two is going to be split over multiple silos, multiple locations with different storylines taking place in okay. different places.
0: Okay. Um, well, as mentioned at the top, we're not going to wait until Silo season two to revisit your ears. Um, now, first, watch out for a couple bonus episodes to hit this feed. We'll be doing a crossover episode with the Laura Hounds. We'll be having an interview with Hugh Howie, And also Sam of Silo TV fans and I are also launching a Patreon Silo book club where we'll be talking through all the books and a book spoiler focused rewatch of season one. Uh, We will be launching that in just a couple weeks, releasing the episodes twice a month into early November. And this will be a Patreon feed, uh, partly to protect Luke and all who are trying to avoid book spoilers and uh, partly to help cover the costs of producing this podcast. Um, But it's going to be a per episode charge instead of a monthly charge because there will be breaks in that feed. And I don't want people paying a membership fee during months where I'm not producing content there. That wouldn't be fair. I plan to keep the price low, but I need to play with the calculations a little to see where we break even with the Patreon fees. So watch out for an update in this feed once the first episode drops. And uh, in the meantime, get reading. Yeah, and there's also a link in the show notes to the Patreon page, so you can already sign up and get the updates there, too. Now, yeah, after the bonus episodes in this main feed, we're going to take a little summer break, but then uh, we'll be back in late August with a new season of something else, won't we, Luke?
1: We will. We will. I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, um, we're really looking forward to taking you all on the journey of Dune. Uh, we're going to be discussing the first book, which we both have a strong connection with. But it was handed to both of us by our parents. And um, then we're going to talk through all of the Dune adaptations to date. So we're talking Lynch. We're talking Villeneuve. We're talking this, that sci-fi channel miniseries, even Chodorowski's Dune, which, if you haven't seen the doc, could have been the coolest Dune of them all, quite honestly. Um, and this will all be leading up to the release of the new movie in November, of course, um, and we'll make sure that we're all Dune experts by then. Yeah, we've already got into a bit between us about the role of gender in the story, so fans expect plenty of hot takes. I feel there's going to be a lot of
1: hot takes. I'm <laughs> really looking forward to watching the, the sci-fi series. I haven't watched <laughs> that since it came out, and um, yeah, I, I really wonder how that's held up over,
0: oh, over time. I think, you know, it's going to be one of those... Uh, I have a drink with it and have a laugh. <laughs> yes, because it kind of was that the first time I watched it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you'll also find us popping up from time to time to talk Silo in this feed with updates on season two as that gets closer, and definitely trailer breakdowns once those become available next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wool we'll Shift Dust is a member of the Lorehounds Network, publishers of this podcast, a channel full of content just like this, talking about other books and shows and even games. Uh, check out our ongoing coverage of Secret Invasion on Disney+, co-hosted by me. Uh, not to mention episodes I love with other hosts, like the Book Nook episodes covering the Earthsea and Silmarillion books. And the upcoming one-shots, there was a, a one-shot that just came out on the new season of The Bear, and one coming soon on the Wes Anderson film Asteroid City. And we have a new podcast in the Lorehounds Network. Welcome Steve and Anthony from Properly Howard. It's a laid back movie review podcast where they take the piss out of movies and then decide whether or not they're better than the average Ron Howard movie. They just released a really funny episode reviewing Howard the Duck, which is a coincidence, not not why <laughs> I watched the movie, but I was glad that I just had. And yeah, you'll also find me and the Lower Hounds on their upcoming episode reviewing the 2022 Dune in just a couple of weeks. Now, as for Wolf Shift Dust, as I said, stay tuned, stay subscribed. There's more coming your way. Until then, Luke, where can they find you? They can find
1: me at, at Luke Up on Twitter, and I will try to be more
0: active on the Discord. And there's another podcast if they want to hear your political and sports takes?
1: Yeah, so my political and sports takes with a couple of friends that I met at university is It Could Be Said, all one word, available from all good podcast apps. Um, it's not a regular podcast. We just pod as issues come along and we basically tried to structure it of looking at one uk story one international story and one sports story um per episode
0: okay yeah and you can find me on uh, at alicia cb on uh, twitter or most other social media and of course on the Lorehounds discord server and um yeah you'll find me popping up in the mc universe podcast in the Hounds. Stay tuned in this feed and I might have some some other podcasting news coming soon. Till then, we'll see you soon, but don't be surprised if you find us outside seeing other silos. <laughs>